today's show, get a full dose of Dr. Chris Bergwald. Stay with us, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure people are like, ah, or they're like, yes. <laughs> Either hot or cold, right, which there's is no good. No lukewarmness yes. here. Yeah. So we'll have some biblical bites with Dr. B first, and then we are going to talk about, oh, yes, the Jewish woot. The Jewish, Jewish food of the Eucharist. <laughs> Today on Catholic Views, we will talk about <laughs> it's the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. So, because we are coming on Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, yeah, that let's talk about some of these super interesting right. things that a lot of us haven't heard of or haven't for some reason made the connection yet. Right. That, yeah, <laughs> it's more that. Yep, yes, yep. yeah. So, so uh, proceed, please. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> that was so nice. Wasn't I feel it? like I'm in an imperial court. <laughs> um, amuse me. <laughs> so a lot of the things I want. So Palm Sunday. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the things in the Passion account. I'm like, oh, I should have. Nope, talked about that already in uh, the interview. Really have to by the back. way, oh. by the way, folks, uh, you will see my hair dramatically grow. Oh yes, in the next if you watch few the two videos. Well, yes, yeah, uh, watch the yeah, videos, videos, but they're separate. Right. So that's go right. to they're separate. That's yes, right. so people are watching. Yep. Uh, that's that's what's going on. Okay, <laughs> but a lot of what I want to talk about, oh, we should talk about that, but no, we already actually discussed it in the interview that folks are going to hear. Sure. Instead, there's just a few little details about the, because the passion, like, let's it's be honest, long. it's so long. Yes. Uh, they let us, you know, some some of our parishes, they let us sit down now for it, <laughs> which I kind of get a kick out of. Yeah. Like, okay. You can understand for the elderly right. folks, but. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. A couple of details because it's so long and there's so much there. Uh, and, and unless you like really either pray with, study, meditate, reflect on this long um, uh, account of Jesus's passion, death, and resurrection from the Passover the night before, from Holy Thursday mm-hmm. um, through his death, uh, there are little things that you might miss. So, for instance, Renee, mm-hmm. I didn't ask you. Remember, Elise has her mic on too. Just keep in mind. All right, I'll go first. So. <laughs> Renee or Elise. Okay. Maybe we could do competition. Sit, get this one first. Beep, well, boom. we've already discovered that I'm bad at spelling shows and oh, spelling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you remember there's the um, there's the revolutionary, the the insurrectionist, who P- Pilate says to people, "Who do you want me to release? Jesus, the Nazarene, or Barabbas?" Well, you said it. Yeah. Well, I yeah, started. That's what. That's what. Oh, I was, oh. I was. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to say it with me. Join me. So, all right. So, Barabbas. Do either of you know what his name means? Oh, I just saw this. I think it was in that book. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's it's actually like a good thing, and I it can't is. remember what it is. Bar is the Hebrew Aramaic form of son of? The light. Abbas. Abba. What does Abba mean? Father. Son of the Father. This guy's name, the guy's name who is being um, I don't know, offered. Exchange. Either way, he is named Son of the Father. Wow. And here you have the Son of the Father. And the interesting thing that, that, that some scholars point out the, the so Barabbas is an insurrectionist. He's he's one of the zealots. He's the ones he he was pro, he probably killed a Roman um, sure. because they're trying to kick the Romans out. They're trying to free the people 
from domination Mm -hmm. by foreign powers. So is Jesus. Jesus is also working to free his people from foreign oppression, but not the Romans, the devil and sin and death that come with the devil. So here you have these two options before you. Barabbas, Barabbas, the son of the father, whose way is violence, murder, mayhem, and death. And you have Jesus who says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Both of them are sons of the father. And it's sort of like back in Moses' name. Um, I said before, I said before you, life and death. Right. Choose. Yeah, and if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, you'll see these two characters are are portrayed very differently. Oh yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. Jesus and yeah. Barabbas. In yeah, the movie. He's like a, <laughs> they could not be more opposite. <laughs> uh, it is just it's striking to me. So that that was the one thing. So, it, well, the thing I want to say, we're this can take all of our time. Um, sometimes when we are in the battle, if you will, as disciples of Jesus Christ, this, the, the battle in our culture where things are going crazy, we can be tempted to go that way of quote unquote violence, maybe not literal physical violence, but like, let's get them and stick it to them. And right. they're gonna... But that's not the way that Jesus presents before us. Right. He sets before us the way of nonviolence, loving your enemies or those who are some really good stuff. Thanks for sharing that with me. In studio with me, still. Still. It's Dr. I did Chris a quick Bergwald. Change of outfit. Right. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bergwald is staying with us all all during the show today. Um, full dose. We asked the Dr. listeners B. to stay with us too. Yes, please. <laughs> I know it's more Chris, but we're gonna talk about the Jewish roots of the Eucharist today. Um, if you aren't familiar with this, if you haven't read Dr. Bergwald's column in the Bishop's Bulletin oh. or Brant Petrie's book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, which is a fabulous book, um, I picked that up, gosh, maybe eight to ten years ago or so. Yeah. Is that possible? It, yeah, it It's is. older than that, yeah. actually. But. And read it. It's such a great, I learned so much. And um, I don't always remember all of it, but I learned a lot of things I did not know. And it made the Eucharist make so much more sense. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about it today, given it's Palm Sunday weekend. Yes. What Sunday is it, Dr. B? <laughs> Palm Sunday. I should have asked that and just see if I could catch you at all. Wait, wait, what? Because you'll probably ask me that on Biblical Bites. I probably Bites. did ask you that. <laughs> yes. But now, knowing that you asked don't me. Don't ask me that. Maybe I won't have asked you that. It's going to make something tricky. All right. So let's get started because there's a lot to talk about here. And we only have like 20 minutes. I know. Okay. So I want to start kind of before, like, how would the disciples have understood the Last Supper? Because this is really revolving around the Last Supper, of course, our first Eucharist. How would they have understood that when they were preparing for it and when it was just beginning? Right. So the Passover is one of the three most important was and I think I think still is mm-hmm. one of the most and three important one of the three most important feasts liturgical feasts for the Jewish people right. at Jesus' time for for certain. Um, this was the Passover was the, the 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 feast in which the Jewish people commemorated the Exodus from Egypt. Right. So 
if you've ever seen any portrayals, people our age, we've seen Ten, Commandments. Ten Commandments. Right. <laughs> um, so the night before they end up leaving, they have a, a sacrificial meal in which there's an unblemished lamb, bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and wine. Um, and the blood of the lamb is put on the lintels, so the mm-hmm. angel of the Lord, the angel of death, will pass by. They, they, they celebrate pass, it. Pass over. They pass over. Pass over. <laughs> not, they, they celebrate the feast it's of pass the by. Pass by. <laughs> the pass by feast. So the angel of the Lord will pass over. Um, uh, and so from then on, every year, Jews were supposed to, every year, celebrate the, the, the Passover meal. So a couple of things. First of all, we know from Scripture that the Jewish people like us today, we're not always faithful about doing what they're supposed to do. So there were long periods of time where they didn't observe the annual Passover sacrifice and and meal. Um, It wasn't like from Exodus in 1400 years before Jesus until today, every, you know, there have been periods of time in the Old Testament era, long periods of time where they, and then they realized, oh my gosh, we're supposed to be doing this. Um, but the, the thing that I want to highlight, Renee, is the Passover meal. So they celebrate it to recall the Exodus. But it's really important to understand that for the, 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 the Jewish understanding, this was not like the American Fourth of July. Right. The American Fourth of July, we celebrate and remember July 4, 1776. Right. Something that happened a long time ago. Something that happened a long time ago. Right. And wasn't it great when our forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence separating us from England? Woohoo. Right. Awesome. Let's. <laughs> Blow something up and <laughs> eat something and drink something. So, in other words, it's just a, a looking back right. to the past, or when we celebrate birthdays or anniversaries. Right. Remember when Ryan decided to marry me and married me? That's, right. That's you, not me. To be clear. <laughs> um, Ryan is scared. There right. You're like, what happened? Wait, what? <laughs> for the Jews to remember, liturgical remembrance is very different. Mm-hmm. For the Jewish people. Um, when they did a when there was a liturgical memorial, a liturgical remembrance, they believed that they were that they, they were participating in that thing that they were celebrating right. and memorializing or remembering. Right. So in Jesus's time, um, there was a rabbi named Gamaliel, one of the great rabbis of the first century. We read about him in Acts of the Apostles. He okay. educated Paul and so on. Gamaliel, we have writings not from the, in the New Testament, but from other historical documents, where rap, Gamaliel said. Every Jewish man, woman, and child must know that he, that she, is being saved from slavery in Egypt Ah. when you celebrate the Passover. Okay. So that's 1,400 years after the fact. In Jesus' time, uh, faithful Jews believed that when they celebrated the Passover meal, they were participating in the Exodus that happened centuries, over 1,000 years before then. Right. So- for Jesus' disciples, preparing the Passover meal, as we read about in the Gospels, they, okay, we're going to do this annual ritual, which we as faithful Jews have done our entire lives, in which we are commemorating, not just mentally recalling, but we're celebrating, we're entering into the mystery of God's saving action for our people 1,400 years ago. Right. So at this point, the the disciples, the apostles have no idea that this is going to be different. Correct. They assume that everything's going yep. to be like Jesus normal Passover. Jesus told them to go yeah. prepare the Passover meal. Right. So, so when Jesus is saying the words of now, the words of consecration, yep. but also the words of consecration then. Yep. Yep. Um, I think that the disciples understood 
any of what was happening well, at that moment. They knew something was different, yes? Yes, yes they absolutely. Okay. So um, this is Matthew's account. Now, as they were eating, so this is, this, Matthew sort of picks up at a certain point when they're in the process of having the Passover. Right. We're going to be real clear. This is, so it's a sacrificial meal. Um, there was a lamb, an unblemished lamb that would have been sacrificed at the temple. Um, it's blood drained, splashed against the altar. And now they're, now they've brought it to the upper room Mm -hmm. where they're staying for it to be prepared for the meal. So it's a, it's a sacrificial meal. Now as some, this is Matthew 26 verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it. So that's part of the regular Mm -hmm. Passover deal and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body and took a chalice when he gave thanks Drink of all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So at this point, like when Jesus, instead of, because there's the lamb, but they're not eating the lamb. So presumably they yes. would have, presumably they would have gone and gotten the lamb and had sacrificed and brought it to the upper room. But where normally they're partaking of the lamb, they're not. They're partaking of the bread. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Like, why didn't Jesus use the lamb right. to change to his body, but he used the bread? He used the bread. So do you have any guesses why? Well, I would think that bread is easier to get. So going forward, <laughs> it's a lot easier for us yes. to uh, if have If we had mass, to have a lamb at every mass. Exactly. Woo. That would be right, right, right. Uh, the, the, the lamb he was thinking ahead. suppliers would have been, would be grateful, but yes. sadly. Instead, the wheat growers are great. Exactly, <laughs> right. So, so this is where they would have realized, okay, he's, he's going off script. Yeah. No, going point, rogue. They're used to Jesus going, I got better. Yeah. They're used to Jesus on occasion going rogue. Right. Um, so even though this, this feast is a big deal, I mean, it, it comes down to us from Moses, but at this point they know that they, Jesus has done things where he goes off script or goes rogue more than once. So they don't like, I, I'm sure they, I They're don't probably think like, they understood. Huh. Like, wait, yeah. What? They're just kind of going along for the ride at this yes. point to see what happens. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm probably going to miss a lot of things. So what else, what else was different from a normal Passover meal? Uh, so it, it seems that it that Jesus stopped it prematurely. Right. It okay, this is where seems, I have the question later with yeah, the fourth and, cup. And, 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 and but that's just, okay, you can answer it now. So it seems and this is this is not real clear. There there's this there's this theory that a number of scholars have proposed where they point out it looks especially based on Luke's account, mm-hmm. there there were traditionally four cups that were celebrating, four right. blessing cups that were celebrated as part of the Passover meal. And it was ritual. like at different times. Yep. They weren't. It's not like they were falling all four of them nope, down all nope, at once. Correct. <laughs> different times, different courses of the meal, right. um, so to speak. Um, and it seems based, I think, on Luke's account in particular, that Jesus, again, not only, so he's already gone rogue, gone off script, but he sort of finished the meal. Um, they sang some songs and psalms and then went out. And it seems that there's, the fourth cup that you would normally consume was not consumed. The theory, so Scott Hahn and Brant Petrie, uh, Dr. Scott Hahn has a book called, I think it's called The Fourth Cup, where he yeah. goes into this theory a little more. Uh, Dr. Brant Petrie addresses this in that book, in yep. one of the final chapters of Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. And they both be clear, this is, this is not like definitive church teaching. Right. Um, good scholar, good Catholics can disagree about this, but right. it's an intriguing hypothesis yeah. that Jesus does not drink the fourth cup on Thursday night. He drinks it Friday afternoon right. as he's hanging on the cross right. when he says, I thirst. Right. And they give him a drink 
And then after that, it is finished. Which kind of draws the crucifixion and the death of Jesus into the Passover meal. Right, and, and that absolutely is the yeah. case. So, um, you know, the way that we celebrate the liturgies of what, what we call the, the technical term, the sacred triduum, mm-hmm. the holy three days. So this is from sundown on Holy Thursday. So it's the liturgy of the the, the, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Mass of the Lord's Supper. It's a Good Friday liturgy, and it's the Easter liturgies, the Easter Vigil, and then Easter Sunday. Those three days, um, those th- the, all the liturgies that we celebrate them are sort of one great feast, right. one great liturgy. Um so we've we already celebrate and there's the, I, I I don't know you find this spelled in the catechism but it's pretty commonly held at least that Jesus's uh, what he did at the Last Supper flows into his death on the cross flows into his resurrection right so the the, the fourth cup theory that's why it's so intriguing mm-hmm. it would make sense another way of tying together right. what happened on Thursday night with Friday afternoon with yeah. Saturday Saturday night Sunday morning right right okay. Uh, if you just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Chris Bergwald about the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. Uh, okay, so this is going to jump to a n- little bit of a different thought, but the manna that the Israelites yep. ate in the desert, that is connected, or I don't know if, I don't remember if Jesus makes a, a direct connection during the Last Supper. Nope, not there. But he does in John 6. He does in John 6. Yep. John 6. So, so let me take, I want to take a step back. Though, okay, yeah, please. So you said early on, when you read this book by Dr. Petrie, you really, Jesus, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, you you really, I don't remember what you said. You didn't say, really I really loved it, but yeah. Yeah, you liked the book. Why? Uh, there was just a lot of details that I didn't know, and I never made the connections somehow. I think a lot of us Catholics are like this, mm-hmm. and just people in general. I didn't make the connections between the Old Testament and New Testament pieces that probably, and maybe I just hadn't fully made them yet sure. until then so what was it about making the connection between the old and the new that was so fascinating to you are you able to articulate why um, that was so cool it just it it makes the whole of salvation history like make sense yep instead of being these weird pieces that are kind of all scattered yes. out around through history random yeah. things yeah. right now you see so yes yeah, so this is very similar, if not the same reason, why I was also so fascinated with by this book, because he shows very clearly things which many of us maybe at best intuit and might know something about. Right. Uh, but even for me, who I taught college courses in the Eucharist, but he just does a good job of taking the Old Testament and how things were celebrated at Jesus's time, right? And weaving that all together, so you see, like, oh, the Lord's actually. <laughs> He knows what he's doing. Yes. <laughs> no pun. I mean, you're like, well, duh. Of course he does. Of course he does. Right. But it was planned. You're, and you like, see yes. that. Yeah. So, yeah, the manna in the desert. Um, there are three, Dr. Petrie and others, um, and and I had been one of the, one of countless many before doing this too. There are at least three major Old Testament threads that get woven into yeah. the reality of the Eucharist. Yeah. We already talked about one of them, the Passover. Mm-hmm. And the second is the manna in the desert. So um, this is that great miracle that happened as the Israelites are leaving Egypt when they're not in Egypt anymore. Uh, they're not slaves anymore, but they're getting hungry. And they're getting so hungry that probably they maybe it'd be better if we went back to Egypt. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you not remember what it was like? So typical. So typical humans. of humans. <laughs> exactly. So, so they, um, so the Lord gives them this miracle. Mm-hmm. 
the, the manna and, and the word man, I don't know if you remember this detail. And again, Petrie did not invent this. This has been well known. Mana means what is it? Right. Like they'd wake up every morning and there's mana. Like, what's that? <laughs> right. Can we eat it? <laughs> right, exactly. And they could. So the Lord, not just for a day or a week or a month, but what turned out to be because of their sinfulness, 40 years in the wilderness, every day until they entered the promised land. As soon as they entered the, as soon as they crossed the Jordan River, 40 years after the Exodus, as soon as they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, the manna and the quail that came with it stopped. Okay, so I have a question then. So we continue to consume the Eucharist to have Jesus until we cross into the promised land. Amen, sister. Heaven. Heaven. That just dawned you on got me. It. I probably exactly. read that in the book and then now I forgot it. Yeah. Now it came and now to me connected. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you've got this this day, literally daily miracle, except um, uh, the day before the Sabbath, they collect So they, they oh, you could right. keep it, but they could keep enough for the Sabbath, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I remember that detail right. Um, so they, because they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Right. So they won't have to go out and collect it. They'd have two days worth from the day before. Right. So Jesus references that miracle and the, the of the man in the desert. Yes, in John chapter 6, the synagogue in Capernaum, where almost almost all of John 6 is what scholars have called the bread of life discourse, where Jesus gives this really extended teaching on how you must eat my flesh and drink my blood or you will not have eternal life within you. And the bread that, earlier, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Right, and he actually refers to himself as manna from heaven. Yeah, yeah, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Um, Okay, so you said there was three threads. Is the other one the lamb and Abraham, or was oh no no no? You you know what it is. It's in your questions. It's in my question. Oh, the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence. So this is the one that I knew the least about. This is the one that was most fascinating to me. Um, The bread of the presence was uh, ritual bread that was kept within the tabernacle. So the big so. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? Threads coming together. Okay. Okay. So people are like, what's happening right now? Bergwald's excited. God told Moses on Mount Sinai to build him basically this large tent structure where God would dwell uh, on the Ark of the Covenant. So it's a three-part thing. You've got the outer court. like So go the other way. You had the Holy of Holies, the the, the 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 Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Um, the Ark had the Ten Commandment tablets kept in it. Mm-hmm. Aaron's staff, Aaron's mm-hmm. Moses' brother, and the high priest, mm-hmm. and the manna from the desert. Right. And only only the high priest could do, go in there. Um, eventually, only once a year. Right. Uh, um, next out is the holy place, and only priests could go into the holy place. Okay. And this is where a number of sacrifices would be offered. This is where the bread of the presence is. I'll come back to it. And then there's okay. the outer court. Um, so this is this was a structure that God told Moses in detail, way more detail than God goes with the laws and litur- uh, uh, the legislation yeah. you're supposed to follow. He focuses on the liturgy, especially right. the structure of the tabernacle. Um, and with so within the tabernacle, this large structure uh, was the holy place, and that's where the menorah was because this was an enclosed like with thick curtains. Like, oh, right. It was dark right. inside the holy place, right. so you need the menorah to see what's going on. And th- there was there was what was called the bread of the presence that was kept within the holy place, and priests would um, together with cups of wine. 
they on a regular basis cons- in a sacrifice they they drink the wine and eat the bread as part of a sacrifice and this bread was kept in the tabernacle <laughs> is this ringing any bells hello <laughs> yes the fact that what where we put the eucharist we, what do we call that thing the tabernacle in many not every place many places it's veiled mm-hmm. and who goes to the tabernacle the are priests, priests. <laughs> and they consume that the bread from, on the altar as right. part of so the altar would be like the holy the uh, kind sort and that's where kind of sort of where the sacrifice down. was made yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so so this was ritual bread that was used and at Jesus' time this is a detail that Petrie names that I just I love again I mentioned before three times there, there were three great feasts for the Jews mm-hmm. Passover being one of them so for these great three three great feasts, faithful Jews had to go to Jerusalem mm-hmm. to celebrate them. You mm-hmm. couldn't just celebrate them in your home, wherever. You have right. to go to Jerusalem. So you go to Jerusalem to celebrate these three great feasts. And on the occasion of all three great feasts, the priests, the Levitical priests, would go into the temple at this point. It's not just the tent-like structure. It's the temple. They go into the temple, and they bring out the bread of the presence, and they lift it up before the people so, I mean, if your people are watching, the only way now how to do this is it looks like what our priests do. Right. They elevate the bread of the presence and they say, behold God's love for you. For the people to look at. Right. <laughs> this sounds familiar. At least, doesn't this sound familiar to you? It sounds very familiar. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Never heard of such a thing. <laughs> so when our priest elevates the Eucharist, the, the, the host, after the, the, the Eucharistic prayer, and to him, through him, with him, in him, he's elevating us for us to look upon God, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ incarnate under the appearance of bread, connects completely to something that God commanded Moses 1,400 years before that and 2,500 years before we're at now. Right. That it's. The connections in this yeah. book are really incredible. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. So we are not going to get time to talk about- um, <laughs> All the, sorts the, of things. The, yeah, all sorts of things. Um, the lamb and its connection to Abraham and Isaac and so on. We'll have to pick that up another time yep. and kind of talk about that because I find that kind of fascinating too. Um, I can't even, don't even know what else. Oh, we already talked about the fourth cup. So, oh, real quick. Do you think, do you think any of the apostles- understood any of made any of the connections until the resurrection i wonder if they didn't make the connections until pentecost oh goodness gracious <laughs> when the holy spirit just does his right. thing to them fills I like, them i feel like john maybe had a chance uh, because standing at the foot of the cross maybe 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 I could but we see, don't know i could see they started to like think about things but i really i i would I, I could also see where they because they also after the ascension so resurrection 40 days later the ascension and they're like Right before he ascends into heaven, like, Lord, are you going to establish right. kingdom Israel now? <laughs> they're or like, still They're confused. still not completely understanding. <laughs> um, so I, th- I, I, I could see Pentecost. where it's at Pentecost that they like, oh. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. That's so helpful. Uh, thanks for going through all that with us. That hopefully will make the um, Palm Sunday feel a little more, I don't know, give you a little more information. Pick up that book. Uh Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist by Brant Petrie. You can probably find it at most Catholic bookstores, probably a lot of regular bookstores too, and certainly. Thanks, Doctor. Appreciate it. All right, if you haven't found us already online, you can find us at sfcatholic.org at the diocesan website anytime and our social media channels on Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble at SFPCs. That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic